The Big Scottish Football Podcast with Stephen Mill and Ewan Cameron. Hello. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to the first episode of 2023. Yay! It's the Big Scottish Football Podcast. We are back for another year, surprisingly. Hello, I'm Stephen Mill. He's Ewan Cameron. How are you doing, Ewan? Happy Not New Year. Not too bad, my friend. Happy New Year to you. Nice to see you. Nice to be back with the Big Scottish Football Podcast. Uh, can we start off by asking the question of you, Stephen Mill, and you, intern Callum, um, is your Christmas tree down? Yeah, I never had one up. Today's the day that the Christmas tree must come down. Yeah, it's the 12th day of Christmas today. And a fact, if you're Russian, then you don't get your presents until today. So they start Christmas on the 25th of December, and then on the 12th day of Christmas, that's when Santa comes. Oh, I I, I never knew that. That's a wee fact for you. The reason I ask about your Christmas tree, because there has been news surrounding Christmas trees, that there are people who are not dismantling their Christmas trees, but they're actually eating them. Right, okay. It's a thing that's happening now. It's a TikTok thing where people are eating their Christmas trees. The artificial ones or the... No, the real ones. The real ones. The real ones. Right, okay. So that's what they're doing. So they're making like pots of tea. See, this is what happens when people want to go in this morning. Like there's always people in this morning <laughs> who eat their Christmas trees, <laughs> celebrate Christmas every day, get married to ghosts. Like all those people there's, there's crack a, there's, pots. There's a woman named Julia Georgalis who's the author of the book, How to Eat Your Christmas Tree. I, I'm guessing you could use it as a sort of like, you know, you could use it for a smoke fire oven or Correct. something like that. Yes, you could. And uh, people are using it, for example, like how you'd use rosemary or bay leaves for flavour. And they're mm. making things like pine needle tea and drinking the broth. And is that something that you would be into? You and no, I have a fake tree. Right, okay. So I'm not going to be sat there eating a fake tree in baubles. Fair enough. That's fine then. By the way, the amount of messages I've got about mints over the last wee while it's getting out of control on Instagram it's just going absolutely wild whenever anyone makes mince now in fact right so obviously I was in Hollywood for Christmas and New Year uh-huh. and I was actually in San Diego for New uh, San Diego I should say for New Year itself and there was another couple with us so there was me and Anna and there was a girl from Anna's work and her husband that were there and I was what's their like, names? Uh, Bashire and Matt. Well, remember, I thought you had, thought you didn't have it there. Yeah, I thought you, I thought you forgot. Yeah. Well done, you. Yeah. So I, I was like, I will make a traditional New Year's Day Scottish dinner for you. So which, I'm, which is? So I made lentil soup. Uh huh. And steak pie. Uh huh. Except I couldn't buy puff pastry, so there was no actual pie bit to the steak pie. It was just the steak bit. But the steak bit was actually very nice. And let me tell you, uh-huh. the recipe for the lentil soup, I've had to recreate that about 15 times since I've arrived back because everyone is asking for it. Everyone is wanting my lentil soup mm-hmm. recipe. So lentil soup, mince, steak pie, I'm your man. What are you laughing at? What? You can't have a steak pie without the puff pastry. No, I know, but... So it was stew. It was a pot of stew. It it was stew. Right, it was stew. And what did you serve it with? Uh, Roast potatoes. Roast potatoes. And some Brussels sprouts, carrots. Was the gravy thick? Yes, it was was genuinely amazing. The the bits of stew, was it tender? Was it melt in the mouth? Fallen fallen apart. Fallen apart. That that, that sounds lovely. Yeah, Um, it was. Some black pepper, a bit of salt, gravy, some carrots put through it. I think I cooked it for about five hours. Amazing, amazing. The longer you cook it, the better. Exactly. Uh, Did you have Brussels sprouts for that? Yeah, I love Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts, so do I. Amazing. Brussels sprouts. Well done, you. Okay, 
In today's episode, we'll cover the first Premiership card of the new year. We'll speak to our favourite referee, Des Papa Roach. And there has been some controversial VAR decisions, so VAR WTF will be back a little bit later on in the show. And remember, you can find us on all your usual podcast providers and on Twitter via Big Football Scott. And we're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Just search for the Big Scottish Football Podcast. And we'll also build up to this weekend's matches because we're a bit late this week because I've been in Hollywood and get your answers in for if Scottish football were a building site lots of them coming in over the last 24 hours let's get stuck into it then where would you like to start Ewan Cameron let's start with the Old Firm have we not okay Old Firm Derby Monday 2-2 Ibrox I thought it was a fantastic game of football and a bit of everything in it I was in San Diego and I got up at about back of five to watch a wee bit good of game yeah, it, was it was worth getting good. up for I thought it was end to end there were goals there was controversy there was drama I thought it was a really good game of football Ange Postacoglu thought it was a great game of football great advert for Scottish football what I would say around the world don't, don't be negative don't I, be negative I thought it was a decent game it was a good game but but I didn't think the standard was very good I didn't think that Celtic played all that well and they were really sloppy with their passing and I didn't think Rangers played all that well as well bar about 20 minutes either side of half time that made an interesting game of course it did no I'm not saying it wasn't an exciting game I'm saying the standard was pretty quality wasn't great quality wasn't great and as always when it comes to an old firm game there's always a big talking point and the big talking point around this game was what happened in the Rangers box with Connor Goldson and a shot from Starfelt was a handball was it not a handball? Was that a penalty? What are the IFAB rules when it comes to handballs like that, etc., etc., etc.? Now, you can debate and you can argue whether or not it's a penalty. But what I hate and what I really despise is this chat that goes around of corruption in Scottish football. I'm going to ask you both, because you're both football fans. You support Dunfermline, Stephen Mill, and um, in turn, Callum supports Dundee United. I'm going to ask you both. Do you think the Scottish football is corrupt, Stephen Mill? No. Intern Callum? No. Right. So this keeps getting peddled out every now and again that Scottish football is corrupt. So I'm having a pop at Celtic fans here because it's them that are peddling this nonsense right now. Over the years, Hearts fans have been guilty of peddling. Oh, there's a conspiracy against us. Rangers fans have been guilty of it in the past as well. But I'm targeting Celtic on the back of what happened on Monday with Connor Goldson. This conspiracy, this Scottish football is out to get Celtic, is a myth. It's rubbish. It doesn't exist. It's not happening. And I'm going to give you some examples. Have I got time to do this? Unfortunately, yes, you do. It's a podcast, right? Yeah. So I've got some examples, right? Let's just assume for a second that there is a conspiracy against Celtic Football Club. Mm-hmm. And that there is corruption at the very top of our game to stop Celtic winning league titles, winning football matches, winning cup competitions. Well, let me give you just three examples from over the years. Let's go back to 1986. In 1986, Hearts were in pole position to win the league. It was in our hands to win the league. We were at Dens Park to play Dundee. A draw was good enough for us to win the league. Celtic beat St Mirren 5-0. They do what they have to do. But since that day, when Celtic won the league on the last day of the season against Hearts, there's been this conspiracy that there was something iffy that went on in that game to help Celtic win the league title. I don't believe that for a second, right? 
Celtic won the league fair and square. That's it. It's my opinion. No conspiracy to help Celtic. It didn't happen. Hearts blew it. We blew it not just on the day at Dens Park. We also blew it on the day that we played Clyde Bank the week before at Tynecastle when we only beat them 1-0. We should have hammered them 4-5-6-0. No, we didn't. We beat them 1-0. So we've only got ourselves to blame. So there was nothing iffy. There's no conspiracy to help Celtic win the league in 1986. Let's jump forward to 1997. In that season, 97-98, Rangers are going for 10 in a row. Going for 10 in a row. Who won the league that year? Celtic won the league that year. Did they stop Rangers winning 10 in a row? Yes. Now, you would think if there were dark forces at work within Scottish football, you would think that Rangers would have won 10 in a row. They would have done everything in their power, these dark, shadowy figures. They'd have done everything in their power to help Rangers win 10 in a row. The holy grail of 10 in a row to better Celtics 9 in a row. They were going to do everything they possibly could to get Rangers that magical number 10 title. They didn't win the league because there's no conspiracy. There's no corruption. Let's give you another example. And here's another one. Since league reconstruction... Celtic have been awarded more penalties than Rangers in all competitions. At Ibrox, it's 8-6 to Celtic in favour of penalties. At Parkhead, it's 4-3 to Celtic in favour of penalties. At Hamden in cup competitions, it's 6-3 to Celtic in favour of them. Where's the corruption? Where's the conspiracy? Now, those are just three examples, and there are hundreds and hundreds of examples. So please, Celtic fans, stop with this nonsense. You're embarrassing yourself, you're embarrassing your football club, and you're embarrassing a brilliant manager, Ange Postacoglu, because I'm telling you right now, not for one second will he believe that there is a conspiracy or any sort of corruption within Scottish football to help Rangers. It's not there. It's make-believe. It's Fantasy Island. Shut your face. Enjoy the game. Bad decisions are made. Referees can be incompetent. That's it. End of story. They should have had a penalty, though, on Monday. <laughs> They definitely should have had a penalty right. on Monday. <laughs> I, I sent you some slow motion footage of yeah, that incident. Listen, it's it's one. Do like, you think it hits his hand? Yes, I do think it hit his hand, and I do think it was. A Is penalty. there conclusive proof that it hit his hand? Yes. You genuinely believe it hits his hand? Yeah, one hundred percent. You've yeah. got no doubt about it. Show me that proof. Well, I just use my eyes. I use my eyes. I know, and it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to see. You're you're specky, though. That's why you're specky. (laughs) (laughs) I've got perfect eyes, so I can see properly. So you wear glasses. Okay, let's let's let's. Okay, so that's your opinion. So there's three of us in this room. Yeah. Intern Callum, does it hit Goldson's hand? Can we not just save it for when Papa Roach comes on? Well, because when he comes on, then we'll redo it again. No, no, no. But it'd be interesting to see what everyone's opinion is before he comes on and gives his opinion. Yeah, hit his hand. I don't think it's a penalty because he's protecting his face. So you don't think it's a penalty, no. but it hits his hand. Okay. Fair I, I thought it might have cut his nails. Right. Right. It skimmed his nails. That that's on his hands though. That, that, that's part of your hand. Yeah, I know. Your nails are on your hands. Right. So if, so it it's hit, a hand if, if it hits your nails, if it cuts your nails, it's a it's a penalty. I I thought it was a I thought it was handball, and I thought it was a penalty. So the IFAB rules. Before we speak to Papa Roach, right? Yeah. Former top flight referee. The IFAB rules that everyone's quoting just now. 
about it's allowed to protect your face to put your hands up. Are you buying that? No, not at all. So, so I, I, I actually think there's a pro. As I've said a million times on this podcast, the handball rule is a total nonsense. The one earlier on in the season with Michael Smith as well at mm-hmm. Tynecastle, I thought that was a penalty. There's nope. ones been given that I didn't think were penalties. So I think there's a problem with the rule and how it's interpreted and how it's actually implemented. But you're saying the Goldson handball is a penalty in your opinion? If that was, if that happened against Dunfermline I would want a penalty so you think it's a penalty yes absolutely I think if that happened and it was Hearts that were playing Rangers you would want a penalty for that as well uh, yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah of course you would right let's move on to the Edinburgh Derby as oh. well uh, a thumping victory 3-0 against Hibs Hibs are in big bother by the way I've said this since the start of the season things aren't right at Easter Road and they were demolished at Tynecastle on Monday I disagreed with you at the start of the season yeah you said to me that Hibs are, in, are on a sticky wicket and that you think they'll be bottom six I actually argued that they would be a top six club now it could still happen but as it stands right now, that's not a happy ship. No, it's not. Lee Johnson came out and he says, I'm going to get rid of 10 players for one quality player. And he's going to go back in the dressing room and have to speak to those players. Which 10 is he talking about? He didn't know. Like after the game, he didn't even go in the dressing room. Did he, he not? To medium Straight to the medium left. Oh. I mean, I, is, is he trying to work his ticket out? I have no idea. I, I don't know what's happening there, but it, all is not well, I think, behind the scenes at Hibs. Things are things are not right there, and there's only so so long that can go on for before it bleeds onto the pitch. If you've got disorganisation off the pitch, it'll lead onto the pitch, and it always always catches up with you. And Hibs were absolutely not at the races no, they weren't, they were against Hearts on Monday. They so. were good though in that opening twenty minutes against Celtic at Easter Road, and then they just fell apart as soon as Maeda scored that goal. Exactly, Hearts tightening their grip on third yeah. place, and it looks like Hearts are going to run away with third place again this season. Five because points clear. What are Aberdeen doing? Another team who are in absolute crisis. Five without a win. Jim Goodwin's under pressure he says he doesn't care what the fans think you and can <laughs> he says everyone's entitled to the opinion but I don't listen to them the fans will ultimately decide whether or not he keeps his job and with that kind of attitude he will not be in that job much longer now I did say at the start of the season I don't think he sees out the season because I think he's a very lucky boy to have that job in the first place Aberdeen are a huge club a proud club and I think they deserve better than Jim Goodwin so Aberdeen this coming Saturday another big game for them they are taking on St Johnston huge and then the week after that it's Rangers at Hamden in the Via Play Cup semi-final. And that's when Aberdeen turn up. They only play four times a season, possibly five if they play them in a cup competition. Aberdeen have been in hibernation since they lost 3-2 to Rangers in that last couple of minutes at Pataudry. And I said that at the time. Watch them. They'll not turn up until they turn up at the fifth on the 15th of January. Will Jim Goodwin still be the manager at that point if they lose on Saturday? If they lose on Saturday, I would be shocked if he's still there for the Rangers game. Nope. He ha- That's a must-win game for him on Saturday. It was a goalless draw between Kilmarnock and St Mirren. Kilmarnock beginning to find a little bit of form at the bottom of the table, which is just as well because Dundee United, in turn, Callum, wow. a 1-0 win against St Johnston at McDermott Park on Monday. Brilliant. And they are on a decent running form. You must be delighted. How long do we have? Yeah, well, just they keep it, keep it short. Nobody really cares about Dundee United, but go ahead. Yeah, on you go. Uh, it's seven points out of nine. Hearts got that ludicrous, ludicrous joke of a penalty in the Shut last Shut your minute. face. It's not a penalty, it's embarrassing. It's a penalty. It's embarrassing. 
It was Lauren Shankland. Hang your head in shame. If that was if that was against. I would be embarrassed for my striker to do that. Oh, anyway, it's, not, it's not the point. It should have been nine points out of nine, but it's seven out of nine, and Dundee United are going to win the league. But and you know, the it's, it's, <laughs> and it's, it's Rangers on Sunday, by the way. For thing, the thing is about Dundee United is that they've looked solid. Yeah, they've looked defensively much better. Yeah, I know they conceded a couple of goals against Hearts. Hearts are a very good team. Though, yeah, we are. We are a good side, and yeah, I can understand the frustrations around the penalty. But it, yeah. As a Hearts fan, I was delighted with it. And Hearts are obviously flying at the moment. They're going to finish third. I'm not going to say it right now. You'll be fine. Dundee United will be fine. They'll climb that table. I'm not there yet. I think I think they might drag Motherwell in here. I think they might I was actually... just going to come on to Motherwell. And drawing Hibs, with Livingston yeah. on uh, Monday. Uh, do you think Motherwell, they're another team to look out for? Obviously, Ross County bombed the league at the moment. But, you know, it's going to be tied towards the end of the season. I think Ross County. I think Motherwell. And I also think Hibs. Yeah, I agree with you now. Might be a wee outside bet, depending on what happens over the next wee while. And Aberdeen. Nah. You're, go- you're going to laugh at me for saying this, but when you look at the gap between Dundee United and Aberdeen, what is it just now? I think it's five points. Five points. If Aberdeen do not get their act together, they could easily be dragged into that horrible race for the, now, the, the playoff re- position the reason, seven, points. seven points the reason I don't think that is going to be the case is because I think Aberdeen have enough firepower to get themselves out of but it but they're no firing just now yes but they'll, they'll come round again they'll come round again Mayofsky's a decent player I think substituted the weekend there when you're drawing 0-0 at home you're looking for a goal and you take off your best striker What's that all about? That's a Jim Goodwin problem. That's not a me That's, problem. But what I'm saying is there's a chance Aberdeen could get dragged into some sort of relegation battle in the bottom six because of Jim Goodwin. That's my point. So who's your bottom three at the moment if I had to hold a gun to your head? Hibs, Motherwell, Ross County. Ross County going down? Yeah. Motherwell in the playoff? Motherwell or Hibs in the playoff. Okay, mm. okay. Motherwell have had seven wins in 2022. Yeah. A horrible, seven. horrible 2022 for Motherwell. It's Motherwell and Hibs for me. Right now, on current form, it's Motherwell, Hibs and Ross County. I think Dundee United, they've turned the corner for me, I think. And we've always thought they've had a, a decent squad on paper. They're now putting that together. Okay, let's drop down into the championship. Are Queen's Park going to win the league? Oh, I tell you, yeah. I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, Dundee getting beat 4-2 for our broth. Now, what I would say about that is Dundee have been on a decent run. It was something like 11 uh, without defeat. Seven uh, wins in a row. First yeah. time they've done that in decades. So they were on a really decent run. They'd beaten Air, obviously, the week before as well. Our broth had been on a shocking run, and this often happens. Teams can't keep on winning, and teams can't keep on losing as but well. But when you turn up at Dens Park and you're our broth and you're bottom of the table and Dundee are flying. I think what happened there is that Dundee have gone into that game with their wrong mental attitude. So they've been complacent, do you think? Yes, I think they've been complacent. They were 2-0 down after 14 minutes. Yes. And then they get a player sent off. They get it back to 2-2, and then a minute after they get it back to 2-2, 3-2 are both. And then Dundee do score a third, but then it's chopped off for offside. See if it goes to 3-3, I think they're going to win that game. Yeah, possibly. Anyway, finished 4-2 to Arbroath at Dens on Monday. So Arbroath are starting to drag in those above them, including Cove Rangers, who were beaten 6-1 by Inverness. They were one up. And Jim McIntyre has been emptied. He is I, out the job. He was... Cove Rangers were one up in that game. And Inverness, who haven't been great... They've been terrible. And they've been a lot. Of, there's a lot of pressure on Billy Dodds. And everyone's saying, oh, Cove Rangers are beating Inverness. If that stays as it is... Billy Dawes might find himself out of a job 
and then something happens at half time and they come out all guns blazing and they go in and hammer Cove Rangers 6-1 Jim McIntyre loses his job Cove Rangers are in trouble yeah well I think Paul Hartley probably will be coming back in there you would imagine yeah he's waiting yeah I would imagine so because he's been uh, emptied from Hartlepool earlier on in the season as well so there's actually there's only four points between Arbroath and Cove Rangers now so Arbroath and I've said this I think Arbroath will be fine they won't be I think they'll stay up I think Hamilton are absolutely done I don't think uh, and obviously they got beat by Wraith Rovers at home on Monday as well so I think they're absolutely finished uh, Morton versus Air was postponed due to a frozen pitch obviously and that other result we mentioned at the top of the championship review Queen's Park 2 Partick Thistle 0 Queen's Park are two points clear at the top they are on a cracking run of form and as we all know could they've, they? got, they've got a bit of cash to spend as could well could they could they do it I absolutely think they could let's drop down into League 1 there was a couple of matches on Hugmanay and there was also a couple of matches on Monday as well Airdrie 3 FC Edinburgh 5 so and Airdrie were 2-0 up in that game ridiculous game of football there's been a few of them involving Airdrie and FC Edinburgh this season as well and it's FC Edinburgh versus Dunfermline on Saturday so Good on game. top of the table clash first versus second Dunfermline versus Falkirk was postponed due to a frozen pitch which was disappointing for everyone I think Can I ask a question about that? Yeah Did Dunfermline turn off their undersoil heating? Right so just to clarify right the first 10 minutes of this podcast you were having a go at people for spinning conspiracy theories and you're about to spout one yourself Well Dunfermline have got undersoil heating. They do. Right? Because they, they had to have it in place for when they were in the Premiership. It failed. It failed last week. There was a problem. So it failed. There was a heating pump issue. Mm, I'm really? Right, really? Right, right, right. So it's, really? it's okay for you mm-hmm. to have conspiracy theories, but it's not okay. No, I never. I'm not, I'm not spreading <laughs> it. I'm not in any way, shape, or form peddling any conspiracy theory I just find it strange that there's undersaw heating Sorry. at Dunfermline so explain but this the to game me. was postponed for a frozen pitch so ex- explain this to a, me A did you not turn it on B have you not paid your bills or C you didn't want the game on or or four um, there was a problem with it and it didn't work like I think that's that's it really you're one second away from tweeting things like makes you think <laughs> <laughs> You totally are. Right. So your so, sources so, 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 within Dunfermline have said what? Not my sources. The club have the, said. The club have said that the undersoil heating failed. How does that fail? I put my central heating on. It works. Oh, right enough. Because there's been nobody had any problems with their boilers or broken pipes or anything like that in the last week. Has there? My sister has. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, but she's she's not Dunfermline Football Club. <laughs> she's not Dunfermline. So how can it happen to you? You think that a football club like Dunfermline uh-huh. would make sure that everything was in tip-top condition? So, 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 so let me let me just let me just dig down a little bit deeper here. So, why? Would Dunfermline not want the game to go ahead given Dunfermline are seven no, points clear no, from Falkirk? I'm not, I'm not. It's the biggest game of the season uh-huh. at East End. Right. It was going to be rammed. It was probably going to be about eight or 9,000 there. Hospitality sold out, all sorted, ready to go. Why would Dunfermline want to give up A, all that cash and B, the chance to bury Falkirk? Because they didn't turn on their central heating. Central heating. Central heating. Yeah. Thanks, Matt Letissi. Yeah, point. exactly. Good one. Right. 
Peter Head nil, Montrose nil. That rounds off League <laughs> One and in League Two. It was. Do you think I reeled him in there? Uh, Elgin City. Don't try and turn it around like you were being clever. Elgin City beat four four one nil. So transparent. I was, really I was having are. a laugh. Yeah, of course you were. I was having a laugh. I was trying to reel him in because I don't Fermanagh fans try to wind him up. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I think he bet. Mm. I think he bet. I think that you're at it. The Big Scottish Football Podcast with Stephen Mill and Ewan Cameron. Right, let's move on quickly to if Scottish football where are. And then Tom Callum, you came up with a belter this week. Said nobody. Uh, if Scottish football were a building site, thank you so much for all your interactions and suggestions. Here uh, are the best I, and worst. I don't know anything about building sites. You have to explain time. these to me. Right. Well, they're fairly. I mean, self-explanatory. Oh, go on. Um, Kemar Roofer. Yeah. That's from Lindstrom Loyal. He supports Rangers, I think. <laughs> Clyde Super Plasterboard. Plasterboard, uh-huh. Stephen Colking. Colking? Is that how you say it? Colking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colking. like Builder's Clock. Yeah. A what? Build. A, a Builder's Clock? No, no. Builder's Clock. Builder's a Builder's Clock. Clock. What, just, what is just, just Google Builder's Clock video and see what comes up. Uh, David Turnbulldozer from Ricky Spence uh, Scaffolding Wall from Dave Will- Williamson Sean Gloss, Nicky Wawa uh, Alan Roughcast Alan Roughcast, Ewan Did you Bill- get that? Builder's Cock video, hold on Alan Roughcast This is the real football phoning With Ewan Cameron and Alan Ruff Cast On 0845 <laughs> 100 2101 I used to work there, mate uh, Sandy Jordan I don't get that one. <laughs> I don't get that one. It's quite disturbing. How have you spelt the word build? <laughs> John I said builder's cock video. <laughs> it's B-U-I-L-D-E-R-S cock video. Builder's cock no, video. No, it's C-A-U-L-K. C-A-U-L-K. Oh, I'm on 4G, yeah, I'm not on the works Wi-Fi. <laughs> uh, John Workman, that's from William Arthur. We've got Bricky Lammy from At GS. Uh, what are you? Are you... All right, okay. The things, the things I've just video. seen. At least, at least the sounds turned off. Um, Transit Van Veen, uh, Brick Advocate, that's from the Green and White. Neil McCann, Sparky Hughes, Red Van Nistelrooy, uh, Neil Quinn, George the Hammer, Alberts. Any of these doing it for you, Ewan? Are you still looking at Builder's Cocks? <laughs> Like the, the Builders Cock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's where we got from Stephen yeah. Cocking. Yeah, yeah. Um, Artex McLeish is <laughs> quite good. That's from P Mac. Uh, we also have Messy Bastard from <laughs> Ewan Bell. Bricky Scrabby. Oh, how do you say his name? Sabragia. Oh, oh Sabragia, the coach. Yeah, yeah. Sabragia. Uh, Lumberjack Hendry from Johnny Mac. Portalo. Portalubu. Portalubo Maravchik. <laughs> We got there. Arthur Pneumatic Drill. <laughs> and uh, Peter Pallet from George Burns. This is quite good. Ange Plasterboard Glue <laughs> from Graham McLean. Uh, Rod Dry Wallace. Um, that's from the Chapminator. Uh, Screw Keevens, Crawford Bapti work on. Crawford Bapti work on a Monday. What? Oh, Crawford Bapti work on a Monday. Bapti work on the Monday. Bapti work on the Monday. Who put that one in? That's from McKnight Fever. <laughs> Bapti work, work on, on the, the Monday. Monday. 
That's so good. Uh, in Maeda House. Uh, Handy Mandy Halliday from Chris McEchnie. Uh, oh, God. Uh, side Hacksaw Banovich. Hacksaw Banovich yeah. from Mallorca Boy. Uh-huh. Uh, Stephen Sawmill uh, from George Spears. Aaron Bricky. And uh, Juice Maeda as well. So that's from Goddamn Sam. So um, what are we going for? Oh, we're going for Bat to Work on <laughs> Monday. For Bat to Work on Monday. <laughs> so well done. Uh, that was McKnight Fever who sent that one in. So well done. Next week, oh my God. For Monday's podcast, we want to know your best suggestion for if Scottish football were a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker. Okay. <laughs> So if Scottish football were a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker, you could have the likes of Abattoir Andre Flo. That works. Shell Olafson. Olofs. Shell Olofsson. Joe Maloney Candle. Or Sean Maloney Candle, that would work as well. Yeah, people wouldn't get the Joe Malone. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, Liam Scales uh, and David Woodenspoon. So keep your eyes open on Twitter at BigFootballScott for the badly photoshopped example that you can leave your suggestions under. If Scottish football were a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker, right, it is time to speak to Papa Roach. Cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. Suffocation. No breathing. Don't give up. Here he is then, the main man, former top flight referee, Des Paparoz, joins us on the line now. Happy New Year, Des, how are you? Happy New Year, gentlemen, and I must say that I think that's probably the first intro song that I've ever had in my life. Well, listen, that's why we're here. We're here to build you up. We're here to build you up, Do you like it, Des? I'll take it, I'll take it. Uh, I'll take no, uh, no poetic license for it, but yeah, you guys go for it. <laughs> right, okay. One big talking point from Rangers versus Celtic on Monday. We've already spoken about it on the podcast, and it was the Connor Golson handball. You are our expert, so tell us. Was that the right decision? Wait, wait. Or not? Let me just ask a couple of questions before we get to the actual okay. debate in regards to Conor Goldson. Okay. You're a former top flight referee. Yes. Right? How many years did you referee football in Scotland? Oh, it was a category one for about eight years. Uh, and in total, I don't know, 15. Okay, my question 20. to you is this. In all the years that you've refereed, is Scottish football corrupt? I wouldn't say it's corrupt, no. I wouldn't say it's corrupt. I would say it's gone through a particularly uh, unenviable moment at this minute in time. I think there's a lot of errors being made and highlighted. But uh, no, I wouldn't say at any point that there's uh, any corruption. Conspiracies? Oh, there's hundreds of conspiracies. (laughs) No, but you think there's a conspiracy within Scottish football that's against a particular club or team or manager or whatever? No. No, again, I think the guys at the top... If you can have a conspiracy theory against a club or a manager to purposely give a wrong decision, when you see that decision in front of you and you can still go against the, go against the grain, then you're a, you're a better referee than I am. No, guys just make the call as they see it. Whether it's right or wrong, that's the, that's the, that's the decision to be. And one more question for you before we get to the Goldson uh, handball debate. You're a top flight referee. You support a football club. Now, you haven't at any point ever admitted to what club you support, but in your 
refereeing days did you referee against the team that you support? Uh, yes, I've been involved in numerous matches with the team that I supported, yes. And at any point, did you allow your love or affection for that club to get in the way of your professionalism? Absolutely not. Are you aware of any other man um, referee within Scottish football who you know and I know who supported whether Rangers or Celtic, did their love for those clubs ever affect their job to do it professionally? No, again, absolutely not. So let's get to the Goldson situation. John Beaton was a referee that day. He's apparently got allegiances to Rangers. What do you think? I think that that is the, one of the most incredible decisions that I've seen given. And when I seen it, on initial viewing, I thought it was a penalty kick. I think like 99% of the population thought it was a penalty kick. Goldson raises his hands for the big thing. The bit that I find really, really incredible is why wasn't John brought across to at least view it in the VAR screen? That's not Willie Collins' decision to make. Willie Collins can give advice, but when something is that contentious, John is the man on the pitch. He's the one who's the ultimate say. And for me, in that instance there, John was not given the ultimate say. Willie should be at least saying, I think this may be an issue. Come across and look at it. It's then up to John to make his mind up whether Goldson has deliberately put his hands up and blocked the ball and where this a natural reflex to protect the ball hitting your face. Now, I've been involved for a number of years and I've spoken to other referees this has never been never been discussed before. It's just it's came out. Whether it's a new a new application, fine. But again, John has to see is that a natural reaction and does the ball strike him to prevent it or sorry, does the ball strike his hands to prevent it striking his face? Where were his hands at the time the contact was made? In my opinion, I thought the contact was made when the ball was beyond Goldson's face. It's interesting what you say there because we spoke about it earlier on in the podcast about protecting his face and there's been a lot of chat about that. There is an IFAB rule, a there, new rule. There's also so many, so many instances that I have seen where if a player is in the wall for a free kick and he puts his arm up to protect his face but hits his arm, a penalty is given. No, it's above his head. It's never to protect his face. It's above his head. The arm has to be above your head when you get that penalty. It's never at his face. Well, it's never at his face. I'm telling you that right now. You've made that up. What do you mean? You just made that up. What do you mean I've made that up? You're saying when a player is protecting his face and the ball hits his arm, you're saying that's a penalty. It's not. And I've, I've, no, I'm saying I'm not saying that is a penalty. I've, I'm saying that it's given as no, a it's penalty. Not. Yes, it is. Nine times out of ten, when the hand is up above the head, yes. But when it's protecting the face or protecting, or if you've got it inside, if you if you've got your arm inside your body within the confines of your body and it strikes your arm, it's not a penalty. The debate here is, is that the hands are in the air, but they're also in front of Goldson's face. Now, let me say this to you then, Des. We've all played football at some point in our lives. And even though the shot wasn't a hard shot, the idea that a ball might be striking your face, your instant reaction and your reflex reaction is to put your hands up to your face, whether it's a ping pong ball or whether it's a football. It doesn't matter. You can't help 
but naturally react by putting your hands up in front of your face. Ewan, it was a penalty, mate. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, no, no, wait, I'm not... It was a wait, I'm not saying... Look, look, you're putting words in my mouth. I'm no, not, I, I'm I not saying it's not a penalty, right? But if you're going to go by the letter of the law, which it is right now with the IFAB rules that are in place... Des has just said that this is never... This is a rule that's never been discussed. It is, it's an actual rule right now. It wasn't, but it is now a rule. Is that, am I wrong, Des? No, so yeah, that's exactly so. This is a, an additional amendment under the <clears throat> the laws of the game. But we're, what what John has been denied now, if someone is going to throw an object at your face, whether it's football, ping pong ball, you quite rightly will react. Um, and if the body's the hands are within the circumference of your body, fair enough. But what John has been denied, he's been denied to decide when the ball struck him, is it at his face or is it above his head? And if it's above his head. It's a penalty kick. Des, In my opinion, it's a penalty right, kick. Right, Des. Okay, so you, so you disagree with the IFAB rule when it comes to a player putting his hands up to protect his face, whether it be a soft shot, whether it be a hard shot, whatever it might be, that's a penalty. So you would go against the IFAB rules? I would say that the IFAB rules would have to be applied consistently in all games, and if you no, but no, that's not the point. That's not that's not the point. The point is, is that Willie Collum has gone with the letter of the law, yes or no? Willie's gone by the letter of the law, right? So he was right. No, no, no. So you're now saying that the letter of the law is now open to interpretation. Every every law is open to interpretation of the referee on that occasion. But now, but, the, but the law's been... pretty clear about that yeah. particular incident, and that was a perfect example of the IFAB rule put into action. Yes or no? No. He really really is giving his interpretation of the IFAB rule. Right. So what's your interpretation of it then? My interpretation: if I was if I was the VAR official. And I would get John across and say, you need to make your mind up on this because it's the match referee who's in ultimate control. It's not the VAR referee who's in ultimate control. And if the match referee came across and looked at that and thought, do you know what, I'm quite happy to award a penalty or take the advice, that is that, that opportunity has been removed from John Bean and that is the instruction and instruction should be made to come across and look if there's a clear and obvious error Okay, so Des an application that you have to interpret Des, you're John Beaton on Monday right you're very much aware of the IFAB rule Willie Collum has spoke to you in your ear he reminds you of the IFAB rule but he thinks he should have a wee look at it you go and have a look at it you turn around after looking at the screen what do you do? I'm awarding a penalty I mean it's you and it's a, it's a penalty it, it, it just I, is like I don't think there's I don't think there's any like ni- as Des says ninety nine percent of people if that happens against your team you are livid that that's not being given Des I'm going to I'm sorry to go back up to it but the the reason that the IFAB rule was created or has been amended for those sorts of situations are you telling me at no point does that IFAB rule come into effect for you as a referee. No, that, I, that IFAB rule should be there and it should be applied. What I'm saying is... But you wouldn't apply it. On that decision, I think I think the ball hit Goldson beyond his face. So therefore, it's, if it's right in front of his face, right in front of his nose, it's, and it hit the ball, yes. See, you're not, you're, I'm sorry, Des, but you're clearly not listening to the point that I was making. And the point that I made at the start of this conversation, it doesn't matter what's been thrown at your face, whether it be a sponge cake, whether it be a 10-pin bowling ball, you're going to put your hands up to your face. It's just a natural, normal 
instinct to do that. It wasn't intentional. He was up to protect his face. Now, it doesn't matter where the ball's going, but the ball was going in that direction and that was his instant reaction. You'd have to agree with that. I would say it's his instant reaction, but again, if you look at the laws of the game, it's to protect his face. The ball had gone beyond his face. It's not, Des, I'm sorry. I think think you've got that wrong, mate. I'm sticking to my guns on it. Uh, the, The biggest bit for me is the fact that John was denied the opportunity to make up the decision for himself. Mm-hmm. I that agree with that. There. Yeah. Do you, what do you think John would have done? Under that circumstance, I don't know because he's been denied the opportunity. We'll never know that. That's one of the game's imponderables. We will never know. Could you text him now and ask him? <laughs> <laughs> and give us an exclusive. <laughs> I don't have John's number anymore. <laughs> so, so Des, do you, just to sort of wrap this up, do you think then that, you know, the, the biggest problem probably isn't the decision itself. The biggest problem is the fact that he was denied the opportunity to make that decision and oh. actually use VAR yes. to, to give his opinion on what he thought it was. See what we've seen VAR used for, for handball so far this season and handballs that have been given that are never handballs and other natural reactions like when you've seen people fall on the ground or breaking their falls you've seen the World Cup handballs that people have got their back turned to the to the ball that's coming in the one in the hearts Comanet game where his hands in a natural position for jumping and a challenge and it's skiffed his fingernails now VAR has um, has went with him and added on to it so I don't know what's been what's been changed but for that for me VAR is there to assist the referee but the ultimate decision has to come down to the referee Willie Colm had no right in making that call and not getting him across Okay, Des, well, thank you very much. I'm sure you'll be on plenty of times between now and the end of the season. It's your first day back at work today, Des, isn't it? It is indeed. It is indeed. It's a bit of a, a, bit of a sore when you hear the alarm again in the morning. But yeah. he, probably, he probably won't come on with us, us again after the grilling I've just given him. <laughs> no, I'm sure he will. Des handled himself well there. That was fine. Absolutely, always happy to talk. Even and do you know what? Even a mutual friend of ours, Steve Conroy, another former top flight referee who has... Um, come out to say that he is a Celtic fan he refereed so many Celtic games over the years and he got abuse for not giving Celtic certain decisions yeah of course but that, that's just that's just the way of but, life but, but the point the reason that I bring that up is that this idea that there's some sort of conspiracy or there's some sort of corruption within the game is a nonsense what it uh, does say to me there's incompetence and we're not very good at what we do when it comes to refereeing and that needs improving but there is no conspiracy no if you're a referee you like football if you live in Scotland and you like football there's a really good chance you're going to support a Scottish football team yeah a really good chance you're going to support one of the big three four or one of the big two however I certainly wouldn't expect anyone to be favourable to their team and I certainly have never been favourable to to can I ask one final question you've been in the refereeing game for such a long long time in your opinion how many of the referees are in favour or supported a club in the top two? And give us a, like a percentage. I would say probably about 60-70%. That's quite high. But again, as you've rightly pointed out, it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game, but yeah, say 60-70% of the referees in this country support one of the big say, two. Say, I'd say 60%, say 60%. So you go, 60% of the referees in this country support one of the big two, right? 
in my opinion, like Des, their professionalism comes first. Yes, 100%. Because it also comes down to their careers as well, Des, because you want to do well for your career. Correct. And work your way up the ladder and all the rest of it. So anyway, we could chat all day, Des. You need to get back to your work. So thank you very much for being on the Big Scottish Football Podcast. No problem, guys. Anytime. Speak to you soon. The Big Scottish Football Podcast with Stephen Mill and Ewan Cameron. Right, let's ram on to the end of the show. Ram on! <laughs> ram on! Sorry. I don't know why I said that. Ram on! Ram on to the end of the show. <laughs> Hollywood! Uh, Hollywood! <laughs> uh, let's ram on to the end of the show, which is which is interesting because you've been watching a lot of Builders Cock today. Uh, the Pelly Drum. So obviously, um, FIFA President Gianni, uh, Gianni Infantino, uh-huh. a man noted for his totally reasonable outlooks, has asked every single country to rename one of their stadiums after the late great Pelly which Scottish football stadium should change its name uh, Blue ah. Brazil who's the Blue Brazil again Cowdenbeath Cowdenbeath there you go so it's called Central Park at the moment it could be called the Pelly Dome or something like <laughs> the that Pelly Dome uh, you could have Pelliston Park instead of Palmerston Park Pelliston yep oh yeah yeah uh huh East Edson Park oh that's good East End Park yeah because his real name was it's an Arantes yeah. de Nascimento. Pellyfield Park. I mean, you've that's so bad in turn, Callum. What's wrong with that one? Pellyfield Park. Uh-huh. That could be anything. That could be anything. What do you mean it could be anything? Is it not Good guy, guy Brock Stadium. <laughs> like, <laughs> nah. Right. Any suggestions for that? You know where we are. At Big Football Scott on Twitter. If Pelly has to be named after any Scottish football stadium. By the way, I was in Hollywood, as you know, and I actually got you a couple of presents. Hey! So, you a present. From Hollywood! From Hollywood! For us! Actually, genuinely did. Okay, I heard something unwrapping there. Yeah. yeah. Are we not meant to unwrap the present? No, uh, no, because I need to give you them. Uh, right, that's not that. That's, uh, that's, oh! Right, okay, so I've got two here. So, as you can see, it's a Hollywood sign! It's good, eh? It's really good. That's not your one. Okay. Um, so there's your one there. It's actually it's a coaster and a fridge magnet in no one. Way. And um, it's got your, <sighs> it's got sort of your name written on the bottom of it. Evan. <laughs> Evan. <laughs> I'll stick that in my fridge when I get home, and I'll use a black marker to try and make a W. Not only they, did they not have any Ewans at all, you spell your name differently. E W E N. Yeah, exactly. So they didn't have any Ewans. It's close enough, Evan. And yes, uh, intern Callum, I've got you one as well. Thank so you. Say, same one. I don't uh, have any coasters in my new flat yet. It's my first yeah. one. What's the name? <laughs> What's the name? Deck. It's the name Deck. Caleb. <laughs> Caleb. <laughs> they didn't have any Callums either. They didn't have any Callums. Evan Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> so, intern Caleb. In, intern Caleb and Evan, Evan. Cameron. <laughs> there you go. That's really kind. By the way, yeah, thanks, they, mate. they weren't cheap. They were not cheap at all. You're not supposed to do that when you give away gifts. So Are they, they magnetic? Yes, yeah. magnetic. And I bought them in a store next to... Oh, they are magnetic. ...next to the Dolby Theatre, where the Oscars is. Yes, there you are. That is actually from that bit, the the Walk of Fame. How much were they? Uh, They were like $8 each. (laughs) $8 each? You're kidding! (laughs) I was going to chuck it in the bucket when I get home. (laughs) No, you have to put it in your fridge. Evan, don't be like that. (laughs) Come on, Evan. Shut it, Caleb. Sorry. 
I also managed to convince Anna that on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, uh, Danny Dyer has a star. <laughs> Did she believe it? Yeah. Did she believe it? <laughs> Amazing. And Ella Henderson. <laughs> I don't know why. Why Ella? Of all the people you could choose. We walked past, right, and it was Danny someone. It wasn't Danny DeVito. I don't know who it was. But I was like, oh, that's Danny Dyer there. And she was like, Danny Dyer's got a start. I was like, of course he has. He's been in the standards for years. She was like, oh, right. Yeah. When, they, when they thought he was. And then I was like, I was trying to think of somebody that is that level of sort of you know, people know who they are, uh-huh. but not that famous. And for and I saw Ella somebody else, and I was like, Ella Henderson. Ella Henderson. Ella Henderson's got a, a star on the Walk of Fame, so she still doesn't know. And I win this game when she eventually Google's it to find out that I'm lying. <laughs> That's when I've won the game. So can I very quickly? And this can we can edit this out if it's pish. Um, you mentioned Oscars, and I don't I don't know if I've ever told you guys this. When I was living with my ex, and we were watching Castaway, and she'd never seen it before, so I was like, Oh, we should watch it's lockdown. Like, let's watch Castaway. And I managed to convince her that Wilson, you know, the little ball, uh-huh. won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom Hanks had to go up and accept it for him. <laughs> Did I she buy it? Yes. She bought it. That's amazing. I love stuff like that. That is so good. That I'm going to use that one myself one day. That's very, That's very good. That is excellent. So hopefully you enjoy your presence, Caleb and Evan. Thank you. And uh, any other business? Uh, uh, no, we've talked about eating Christmas trees, haven't we? Yeah. Because I'm going to go home and eat my tree. Right, okay. Better than eating a builder's cock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you're absolutely obsessed with builder's cock. That's all you've been looking at on your phone. Yeah. It's doesn't match up to mine. You got Evan's cock? Is it? <laughs> Is it? What are you laughing at? Can we just end this crap? No. Oh, it continues. Sorry about that. I thought I was going to end there, but I have to press this instead. So here we go. It is the end of the Big Scottish Football Podcast. Big thanks to Des Big Papa Roach. Thank you to Evan Cameron, intern Caleb as well. And thank you to all for listening and getting in touch as well. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on whichever podcast provider you use so you don't miss a podcast. Keep an eye on our socials for a Scottish football with a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker. And we'll be back to our usual time slot Monday at 3 o'clock-ish with another brand new episode of the Big Scottish Football Podcast. But from us, Happy New Year and cheery bye. Cheery! Oh, that builder's cock.